Wonderful. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody online and anybody in the overflow room. It's so good to be able to speak to you today. My name is Chris, and um, it's got a bit of echo, a little bit of echo going on. We sang that song already, so that's okay. Oh, that wasn't actually funny. It's good you laughed at that. We're in a, um, a series at the moment called Frequency, which is about tuning into the voice of God. And uh, two weeks ago, Shafin preached. How many of you were here for that one? Okay, that was great. So a few people, that was good. Shafe talked about different ways that God wants to speak to us. And last week, Jess encouraged us around the idea of uh, God speaking through us to other people, encouraging words, and actually uh, encouraging that prophetic gift within each one of us, which was really incredible as well. And tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, how we come to recognize the voice of God as we get closer and closer to Him. That hearing God's voice comes out of a place of close relationship with Him, and the more that we get close to God, the more we're going to be able to recognize His voice. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight a little bit. So, uh, John 10, uh, 27 will be the text we're going to be starting with tonight. John 10, 27, which says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. This is Jesus speaking, and we're the sheep. So uh, you can take that how you will if you want to be encouraged by that or discouraged by that. But there's a lot of really good stuff in this, um, in this little passage that Jesus is talking about, that we can hear his voice, that we'll follow him, that he knows us. Um, you know, um, when I didn't have any children, I was a little bit worried about having children. Um, anybody else like that? Because, like, you see people with children, especially, like, I've got four children now, and you just watch uh, the circus go by with all the children. You think, I could never pull that off. And the good thing is they usually just come one at a time, and they don't do much when they first come, except keep you awake. Um, uh, but, you know, the process of um, children, like, learning to hear their parents' voice or respond to their parents' voice is a very natural one that happens over time. Now, I work at Youth with a Mission and YWAM. We have a lot of people there, a lot of kids, a lot of families. And one of the kids' favorite things to do is to run around and yell as loud as they can all the time. Kids seem to like to do this all the time. So we often have lots of kids running around. And the challenge can be to get their attention when you need to get their attention. Because just calling their name, hello, doesn't really work because they either can't hear you or they can't hear you, right? You know? And so we've developed a little thing. I learned from one of my Samoan friends this little call that I do to my children from the time they're little. It goes like this. Right? So they hear that call and suddenly they just turn their head and they know. Now, I know in some places that's how you call dogs. Um, <laughs> I learned that after. Um, but it was very effective. And so what would happen is they'd be running around doing that. I'd make that little call and then they would look and I could give them some sort of a message, like, come on, let's go, or stop. No, I mean, um, whatever is appropriate for that moment at the time. But it was a developed thing, and so they learned what, uh, what parents' voice sounds like or their call sounds like because they have relationship, right? And so I just want to talk about a couple of things that are going to help us build, build relationship where we can actually hear God's voice, recognize Him, and that becomes a natural part of our journey. So these are just basic ideas of relationship, nothing too profound here, but I want to just think about them in terms of our relationship with God. The first thing is time, right? That's simple. Relationships take time. I mean, think about every relationship with every person you have relationship with. 
right? The quality of the relationship is often determined by the amount of time that you've put in. It's impossible to have intimacy immediately with the person. It takes time. It takes shared experience. It takes weeks and months and years of building that friendship over time until you have that close relationship. And you know what? The same thing is true in our relationship with God, that it actually takes time to develop intimacy with God. It doesn't happen now. If you decide you want to start following Jesus, that does not suddenly equal that you're going to know him incredibly well, because that journey takes time. You know, when you're young, sometimes you look at people that are older that have been following Jesus for a long time, and you think, wow, they really know the voice of God, and I don't, because I'm terrible at being a Christian. I mean, that may be true, um, but we all are in, in some way or another, right? But the thing is, is there's a journey, and it takes time right? It takes time to develop any type of relationship. The way that I know my wife now, after 17 years of marriage, is very different than when we got married 17 years ago, right? It's like I married a complete stranger, almost, compared to how I know her now. Do you know what I mean? It's like that, but that takes time, right? Exactly. So let's go over to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Just a little, little scripture. I love this little statement, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So just in the middle of all of this ministry that's going on, teaching and healing people and crowds and reports are going out about Jesus all over the place, just this little editorial comment, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One of the things that is going to need to happen in our lives if we want to start recognizing God's voice, we want to just tune in to hearing him a little bit more, is we've got to set some time aside. We've got to have some time to spend with him in order to develop that close relationship, don't we? It's not just going to naturally happen by itself. It takes a little bit of time to get there. And so I want to just talk around just how do you spend that time? How do you set that time aside? What I love about the model of Jesus is he doesn't give us a pattern to follow like in terms of a schedule, right? It's not like, and Jesus went every morning from 5.30 to 6 in the morning, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did this. It just says he often did it. So, um, so was that like every morning? Was that every night? Was that like daily? How long did he do? Like, what am I supposed to do, right? That, but he doesn't give us that. What he does give us is a pattern to follow in terms of just make it regular. How often did Jesus withdraw? As much as he needed to. So how much time should you spend with God? Well, as much as you need to. Just make it regular, not rigid. You don't get from Jesus a pattern that every morning he did this or every evening. So you find what works for you in your schedule. Because there are different periods of your life. Sometimes it's like mornings work really well. I'm not a morning person at all. I've tried. Like, I get the idea of mornings. Like, you know, that you wake up and you're, like, happy. And, like, you, this is a good time to do things. I get that, like, as a philosophical idea. But every single morning, I find some other, you know, idea in my brain. And I think, gosh, mornings would be so much better if they came a lot later, right? You know, like, so I'm a night person. That works for me. Uh, and so you got to find within your schedule, maybe in the morning or in the, in the evening or maybe in the, in the lunchtime or maybe every few days, whatever is working for you. Just make it regular. Just, just spend time when you need to, just like you do with other people, right? You just spend time whenever you need to. 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 15 minutes, 3 hours, whatever you got. Just spend some time with the Lord. 
The other thing we've got to do to, to really grow in relationship is we've got to clear distractions away because there are so many distractions all the time, right? Including the magic little phones. We've got to just get them away from us to spend some time with the Lord. Now, you might read your Bible on the phone. That's fine. But if it's distracting, maybe you need to go analog, right? Analog Bible, just like paper, right? Remember those? Like a book, right? You can do that. That's okay. That's really, that's good, right? But we've got to clear distractions away because there's always stuff that wants to pull us away from Jesus. And you've got to, be, you've got to go to war on that almost. You've just got to be deliberate about this. I've got to clear away the distractions as best as I can, right? What do you do in that time with Jesus? Well, I recommend a couple of things. One of them is get into the Bible. Just read a little bit. Uh, Shafin said two weeks ago that one of the ways that we hear God's voice is through the Bible, but I find that um, a lot of Christians don't, uh, they, they like that idea, but they don't do it. Uh, and they, they love that, you know, yeah, well, I really believe in the Bible, but don't really read it. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I, I love the Bible, except I don't read it. So it's a little bit, doesn't really match up, right? And so we've got to spend a little bit of time reading the Bible. Now, the Bible is not always a simple book to get into if you've tried it, because it's indirect communication. Right? You might read it and be like, I'm just waiting for a scripture to hit me. And sometimes it does, but often it doesn't. Often you're reading and it's just like, well, that meant nothing to me, right? Uh, that was a great story that has no application to my life. I'm not a farmer. I don't understand any of these <laughs> stories you're telling Jesus. What are you talking about, right? And that's totally, actually, completely how the Bible works most of the time for most people because what it's doing is it's it's causing you to ask some some questions it's making you think about it well i don't understand that story welcome to the party this is how jesus communicates he says well now think about it ponder it try to figure out what he's saying what do you mean jesus because what that does is it draws you into the conversation i mean god is smart enough he could have given you a textbook and that would have been even worse wouldn't it but what he's done is he's given you a book filled with multiple genres of literature, poetry, and narrative, and proverbs, and parables, and history, and all sorts of stuff. And each one of those, we've got to, just, we've got to get into just a little bit more. So, so read a little bit. Spend a little bit of time reading. Pray. You, you know, praying, just talking. Just talk to Jesus. Just tell him how things are going. You don't need any special language. You need no skills to pray. You all can speak. There, you're qualified, right? Just talk to him, right? It's weird to talk to somebody that's not there. So, you know, you got to sort of pay attention to where you are and how you want people to view you at the moment. Because if you're sitting in a cafe and you're talking to yourself, that gives people a certain impression, which you might or might not be going for, right? Um, and then listen. Spend a little bit of time quiet. Now, quiet is, that's something else, isn't it? Quiet. We're just so allergic to quiet so often. It's like whatever we do, it's like if you're sitting down and you've got a moment of quiet, you pull your phone out, you can put your, your earphones in. It's just like we just don't know what to do with quiet anymore. We are so scared of being a little bit bored, right? And so to spend some time with Jesus, you've got to be okay to have a little bit of quiet and listen to what he might want to say. And you know what? Stuff might start to come up. You might be like, oh, I've got to process this emotion that I have or this thought that I have or I've got to think about this thing. And, and through this journey of vulnerability with Jesus, you just start to get to know him a little bit more. It becomes personal, right? But it takes 
a little bit of time. Now you might say, oh, I, spent, I spent 15 minutes with Jesus yesterday and nothing happened. Fantastic, because most of the time you're going to spend with Jesus is what we call ordinary time. I mean, you know that life is ordinary and special, right? It kind of splits into two categories, right? Most of life is ordinary. So you might have some high views of marriage, some high hopes for marriage, but, but marriage is mostly ordinary. It's, it's, not, it's not mostly special. It's mostly just normal life. Like if I scroll through the texts with my wife, they're going to be really, really boring, non-romantic texts most of the time, right? It's going to be like, oh, um, I can pick up the kids from school today, or, oh, we need some milk, or, you know, like, did you check that, or I'm here, I'll be home in a few minutes, you know, just boring, normal life. And you know what? This is the life that Jesus wants to live with you as well, our boring, normal, everyday life that we live, because that's most of our time. Now, there are some very special moments as well, isn't there? But those are special because they are Special, right? That's that sort of thing. So have your expectations set right. Jesus wants to live with you, not like your super spiritual self you. Just you. You actual you, right? In your everyday life. Spend a little bit of time. All right. Second thing. Second point. Follow. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me, right? And so we've got to learn to follow Jesus as well. We've got to follow him. It's not enough just to hear. We've got to actually follow him as well. When Debbie and I, that's my wife, we were just dating, we would walk together at places, you know, like you do, you walk, you walk together. And have you ever had this experience where you're like walking with somebody and you realize that your pace is quite different? Like, there's some people that, like, they walk like, like everything's on fire and they have to get there now. And other people walk as if nothing will ever happen, ever, and it takes forever. And, um, and in order to walk next to a person, it actually re- requires a little bit of, like, adjustment and skill. Have you ever pondered this? When you're walking, you actually have to, like, adjust your step to match whatever their step is. Somebody's got to do some adjusting in a relationship in order to walk together. Otherwise, it becomes very awkward. You're just, you know, chasing after or going very slow. And in our relationship with Jesus, might might I suggest that um, you should adjust your step to Jesus? I mean, I feel like that would be quite a safe thing to say. We should adjust our pace to Jesus if we're going to follow him. We, We can't run ahead. And we can't drag behind. We've got to learn to, to, to walk with them. Uh, here's a scripture. Galatians 5.25. says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Walk with Him. Now, what does that actually look like in a day-to-day basis? How do you walk with the Spirit? How do you follow Jesus on a day-to-day basis. I think what it, what it takes is you, you, you start to tune your heart to Jesus' heart. You start to think about him a little bit outside of those times that you spend. You start to say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you lead me in this day? Would you make me a little bit more sensitive? Now, some of us are like, you know, I feel like there's some that are very naturally, very spiritually sensitive, you know? They just seem like they're always hearing from God and they're very sensitive. And other people are about as sensitive as a brick wall, you know, just like I got no idea what's going on at all ever, and that's so fantastic, because there's this really, really um, powerful prayer that you can pray to become more spiritually sensitive. You ready? It's really good. It's, it's Holy Spirit, can you make me more sensitive to you, right? Just ask for some help. 
Like, basic, right? You can remember that. It's really, it's really good. That's a prayer I pray. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I just want to be more sensitive to you. In my day, in what I'm doing, in where I'm going, I don't want to accidentally like grieve you in some way because I'm just kind of doing my thing and not paying attention. I want to be sensitive if you want to use me in some way or if I'm doing something I probably shouldn't be doing. I just want to be sensitive. And you know what? He'll start to walk with you as you just tune your heart to him just a little bit more. I want to, I want to walk with him. And so sometimes it's like you're going along and you're doing something and suddenly you're just like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that. Mm, that's a good thought to listen to. Sometimes it's like you're in a conversation and you're just about to say something. It's just this, that's probably not going to be helpful. That's, oh, that's a good thing to listen to, <laughs> right? Or you're in a conversation, you're like, mm, I got something. I think this might, I think I have something to say that would be helpful. And you just step out and say it. It's those little types of things where you're just trying to live your life walking with the Spirit. So it's not just these times you set aside. It actually becomes part of your Part of your life. You know, that's what relationships are like as well. You've got to bend your will a little bit to be in a relationship with somebody, don't you? Because if, if it's all about what you want all the time, that's not a relationship, is it? That's not a very nice relationship. There's compromise that goes on. And you've got to learn to bend your will to Jesus. Just bend it a little bit. He doesn't want to break it. <laughs> he wants to be in relationship with you. You've got to be willing for him to actually lead. And sometimes, uh, sometimes we're not willing. We, we can make all sorts of statements around it. You know, we can make all sorts of justifications and excuses and logic our way out of whatever we think God is saying. But, but when it really comes down to it, sometimes it's just a matter of I don't want to follow. Okay, so that's a pretty normal feeling, isn't it? But we got to get rid of that if we're going to say that Jesus is Lord. Because if he's in charge, he's got to be in charge. He's got to have a right to say no to us sometimes. He's got to have a right to walk with us sometimes. If we're going to follow him, we've got to actually follow him, right? We've got to actually follow him. Now, sometimes that's just little things, but sometimes it might be big things as well, right? It might be some big things. And we can trust his leadership in our lives. That leads me to my third point, which is we've got to start trusting him. It takes time to develop relationship. It's not going to happen this week. It's going to develop over months, and it's going to develop over years. This is not just a short time, is it? This is we want to be doing this till the day that we die. We've got a lot of time to do this. But second, we've got to learn to follow him as well. We want to deal with stubbornness in our heart. And part of the reason that we sometimes resist is because we don't trust God. We don't trust Jesus. And so we've got to start developing trust. Those sheep in this little parable, this very, very short parable, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow, they trust enough to follow because they know the voice of the shepherd and they follow because they trust. And so we've got to become people that are willing, willing to trust. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Little story going on here. So Jesus is in the boat. They're going across a lake. Some of his uh, followers were fishermen, and so sometimes they used the boats and went across this lake. It was part of the transport they did. And while they're in a boat, it says a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. That's my favorite. I love that. It's like nap time. I'm just, I just love nap time. This is, if you need a nap, here you go. This is a scripture about nap time, right? Okay. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So this is a story about trust. That word faith there is there, it's the word trust. There really is no other word for trust in, uh, in the Greek there. It's just, just faith, trust. I feel like trust is probably a better word that we use than faith. Faith becomes so Christianized, sometimes we forget what it means, right? But trust, that's the word we might use. And so Jesus says, where is your trust? Why are you so afraid? And they could like, well, we were going to die. I feel like that was a valid emotion. What do you think, you know? You see, what question they asked Jesus, though, revealed a lot about what was going on in their heart. What was the question? Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? You see, Jesus is sleeping in the boat while there's a storm raging on. So he must be either very tired or a very good sleeper, one of the two, right? And there's two ways to read this. Jesus is asleep, therefore he doesn't care that we're going to die. Right? That's one way to read it. That's how they read it. The second way to read it is this. Jesus is asleep, therefore everything's okay. If he's relaxed, I should be relaxed. But the disciples went in the very natural response like we would mostly do, which is, Jesus, don't you care? Aren't you aware of what is happening around us right now? Why are you sleeping? Wake up and do something. But they totally misread the situation. And Jesus called them out. He says, where is your trust? Now, if you read Mark, already in chapter 4, he has done so many signs and wonders and miracles that they have witnessed with their own eyes. They know that he is capable of a lot of things. Yet under that pressure, they start to respond in a different way. When we don't trust, we misread people. Have you had that experience before where you misread what someone says because you doubt their motivation? And so they say something, but you twist it because you haven't trusted them. You, you're questioning their motivation, and then you get in this big fight, and then you have to talk about it, and you realize, I misread what was going on because I doubted your motivation there. Now, that's quite normal with humans because you always should have a little bit of suspicion when dealing with people because they're a lot like you, right? So we should have a little bit of suspicion. We don't want to be super suspicious, but a little bit, right? Because it's people, but not with Jesus. We don't, have, we don't need to have any suspicion with Jesus. We don't need to worry about what his motivation is for us. If you want to know what his motivation is, then we, we meditate on the cross a little bit, and that gets us right into the heart of what his motivation is for us. Self-sacrificial love, right? That's hard for us to take in because there's not a lot of people like that. The list is very short. It's one name. It's Jesus. And so we're not very familiar with that type of relationship. And yet he wants us to trust him. I remember um, one time uh, many years ago, I'd, I'd broken my ankle. It was nothing exciting, nothing, you know, nothing dangerous that I'd done. I'd walked down a step and did it wrong, and my ankle twisted and snapped. And um, I was on crutches. We had two toddlers at the time. My wife was pregnant with our third child. And at this point, we really had no money at all. We, were very, we really had no money. We work as missionaries, and we really just at this time had nothing. And so we had to walk a lot of places because we didn't have uh, money to put fuel in our car. That's how tight it was at that time. And I remember one day we were walking home. My wife is pregnant, pushing two toddlers in a pram, you know, one of those doubles. I'm on my crutches getting home. Normally it's like a 10 or 15-minute walk where we're going, but we were a little bit slower on that day. And I remember I was feeling a little bit extra tired. And 
out of my heart came this statement, God, don't you care about us? Don't you care about us? And I remember I was really shocked by the fact that that was what was coming out of my heart in that moment. And I remember once we got home and got the kids settled, I spent some time just, you know, talking to Jesus because I was quite disappointed that under a little moment of pressure, that was what came out. But you know what? Pressure does that to us, doesn't it? It's like a tube of toothpaste. You, you squeeze it, what happens? What's on the inside comes out. And under pressure, what's on the inside of us comes out. And often what comes out of us under pressure is a lack of trust for Jesus. See, I was focusing on all the things that were going wrong in that situation. I wasn't focusing on the fact that it was safe for us to walk down the street or that I have access to incredible health care or live in a beautiful, wonderful city or we had food to eat and a beautiful home to go to and safe children, like healthy children. And, you know, there's 95% of things were going very well. But I was tired, right? I was a little bit worn out from the day. And so I misread the situation is that Jesus doesn't care. And we can be like that under moments of pressure all the time. And what, what starts to happen is when we have mistrust, it draws us away from Jesus, doesn't it? It draws us away from people. It is impossible to be in a relationship with someone you don't trust. I want to finish with one other story. Just tell you a little bit about a, a biblical character we don't talk about too often. His name is Shamua. Have you ever heard of Shamua? No, not many, okay. Let me just tell you a little bit about Shamua from the Bible. He was one of the Israelites that was born in slavery in Egypt. His father had been a slave, his grandfather had been a slave. But one day, a man named Moses comes and says, the God of our ancestors, you know the one we thought had forgotten of us, he's come and he wants to deliver us out of slavery. And it's, it's almost too good to be true. Shamu was part of that generation that actually witnessed those 10 plagues that we read about in the book of Exodus and saw God supernaturally humble the most powerful nation on earth and set his people free. He was part of the generation that walked through the Red Sea, ate bread from heaven, drank water from a rock, saw God himself descend upon a mountain and speak the 10 commandments in an audible voice. Not too bad, hey, that'd be pretty good. One day, he was chosen for a very important job with 11 other people. See, Shamua, we meet him for the first time in Numbers chapter 13. He was one of the 12 spies that was sent into the promised land. But you've never heard of him, have you? Because in his moment of opportunity, he missed it completely. Got into that promised land and said, you know, I know God did all those miracles, but these people have walls around their city, and they are tall, and they will kill us. And Shamua and uh, nine others misread the situation. But one, one other guy that didn't misread the situation was Joshua. You've heard of Joshua, haven't you, from the Bible? Even if you've hung around church a little bit, you've probably heard of Joshua. Joshua grew up in exactly the same situation as Shamua did. Everything I said about him is true about Joshua as well. Absolutely everything. Saw the same miracles, went through the same experiences. And yet when he got in there to spy out the promised land, his reading of the situation was completely different, wasn't it? He says, God is surely able to do this. God can do this. Now I tell you that story uh, just at the ending here because oftentimes we use our circumstances as an excuse for why we have trouble trusting. It doesn't work. Your circumstances aren't an excuse for not trusting God. Shamu and Joshua, 
Same circumstances, different result, right? Our circumstances do not dictate the condition of our trust. We do. Our circumstances might make it a lot harder to trust, yeah? That's true. But ultimately, that decision nobody can take from you. You can choose to trust him. It might be incredibly frightening to trust Jesus, but it's something that you can actually do. And as we take that decision to just, just take those little baby steps of, of, of trust, of vulnerability, of spending time, of bending our will to follow Jesus, what we will discover is that he'll start to speak to us. We'll get so tuned into his voice that we'll just discover that, wow, I'm actually walking in step with God in a way that I wasn't before. I'm starting to hear his voice. I'm starting to get to know him a little bit more. And we'll look back and we'll think, wow, I've really, really grown. I wonder how that happened. And so my challenge to you tonight is one of those things. I mean, it might be all of those. All of those might just hit home. You're like, I need all of that. You might just need one part of that. But just as we're finishing our service, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. Let's just reflect before the Lord. What what of those things might I need to look at in my life? Do I need to just set aside just a little bit more time? Just give a little bit of commitment to that. Is there any areas where I've been just a little bit stubborn and not wanting to follow, just haven't wanted to get in step, just been doing my own thing? Or maybe for you, it's just been, there's just areas of mistrust, just not convinced that he's good, that he loves you, that he cares about you. You're misreading situations because of that. Well, Jesus, today, we just lift up our hearts to you. We acknowledge your goodness as a good shepherd that wants to lead us, your sheep. We acknowledge, Jesus, that you want us to follow you and keep in step with you. And that as we just invest a little bit of time, Jesus, we just know that you're going to meet us. And so I just pray for each person here, wherever we are on our journey, whether years down the road or just starting out or haven't even started on the journey, that, God, we can make some decisions today just to tune our hearts to you just a little bit more to listen to your, your, your voice to us and to grow in intimacy with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.